0: Funding for Elwood City Limits is provided by John Dulong, Josias Melendez, Leanne S., Christopher Ifill, and Ian Collis. Listeners like you. If you'd like to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash Limits. Hmm. Should Terry Rozier, a more clutch
1: player in the finals than Kyrie Irving? I mean, that's kind of a hot take. They should, the Knicks should trade Kristaps Porzingis? I, I, I don't know. Oh! Hello! I didn't see you there. I'm Lucas Vansini of the Elwood City Limits podcast. Welcome to my humble abode. Uh, While you're here, I'd just like to remind you that Elwood City Limits is recorded in beautiful Halifax, Nova Scotia, by the ocean. And Halifax, Nova Scotia has their best of Halifax awards that you can vote in from June 1st to July 15th. And what do you know, as this podcast is recorded in Halifax, it's eligible for the best podcast from Halifax. All you have to do is go to bestofhalifax.com, scroll down to the media section, and type in Elwood City Limits as your nomination for best podcast. You can even write a little blurb about why you think it's the best. It would be really great if you're a fan of Elwood City Limits to head on down to bestofhalifax.com and nominate us. Thanks! Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. .tumblr ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. Email. Limits at gmail.com. And by
0: contributions from listeners like you.
1: Literally at ElwoodCityLimits.libson.com. Thank you. Cha-ching, cha-ching, baby. yeah it's that morning energy
0: (laughs) yeah something something like that we get that big morning energy
1: i wish we could i'm sad this isn't gonna be part of the podcast that'd be a great
0: what uh, do you mean it's not gonna be part of the podcast that'd
1: be be a great episode title big morning energy
0: or maybe not the more i think about it maybe not Welcome to Elwood City Limits. That was the start of the podcast, and good morning to you wherever you are. My name is Will Young, and that's Lucas Mancini. Hello, hello. And that's how we make it part of the podcast. Ah, yes, we are recording once again on a very, very hot August morning, uh, keeping the window open, so if there's any guest spots from any local crows or raccoons, you may be able to hear them if you listen carefully.
1: Yeah, we'll see if the bad take police drive by my window as they're they're one to do.
0: <laughs> All right, uh, yeah, we've got uh, another full episode of Arthur coming up here, uh, but and because of course we are the episodic Arthur podcast, the award nominated Arthur <laughs> podcast, so. which we're
1: going to be saying till the end of time.
0: Well, yes, and we were, it is true. We were technically award-nominated at one point. And thanks to uh, listeners such as yourself. And, of course, we have a little bit of feedback from you guys that we always like to start off the show with. So let's uh, let's really get it going here. Uh, over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com, that's where you can send your emails relating to anything about the podcast or anything that's on your mind. we got a couple here. Uh, I'm going to start this one off with something relating to our last Elwood City Limits episode. Lucas, do you remember the the math problem that uh, Mister Rapper right. had? Yeah, that was
1: another morning recording session. So I was using a hundred percent of my brain power there, and I, I was completely unable to figure the problem out.
0: So this one's going to get a little wordy because Rohan uh, emailed us with the answer to the question, and Rohan showed their work. Well, I'm
1: glad to hear that the question is even answerable in the first place. I wasn't sure if it was like a nonsense question. I wasn't paying attention hard enough, I guess.
0: So let's take it over to Rohan. Hey, guys, in case you're interested, I did the math problem for your show last week. I don't want you guys to hurt yourself too much from thinking about it, Lucas especially. <laughs> so the train has 1,873 scoops of ice cream, and the question is asking, how fast does the train need to travel from Chicago to New York City before half the ice cream melts given a melting time of sc- six scoops per per minute. So let's go through this step-by-step. You have 1,873 total scoops so we need to find out what half of that is which ends up being 936.5 scoots of ice cream. So now our question is how long will it take half of the ice cream, 936.5 scoops, to melt. Well, they tell us the ice cream is melting at a rate of 6 scoops per minute. So we divide divide 936.5 by 6. When you divide this, the units cancel out and we're just left with minutes, which ends up being 156.083 minutes. Convert that into hours, divide by 60, and we're left with 2.6014 hours. This now tells us that the train from Chicago to NYC has to get there in less time than 2.6014 hours to avoid half the ice cream melting. I don't know the specific starting and ending points in Chicago and NYC, respectively, so I just looked on Google Maps for the distance, which is 791 miles. Now, divide 791 miles by the total time we have before the ice cream melts, 2.6 hours, and we get 304.07 miles per hour as the speed of the train. So the train has to travel faster than 304.07 miles per hour because traveling at that speed would be the time needed for exactly half the ice cream to melt. So we have to travel quicker than that to answer the question in order to reach NYC from Chicago before exactly half of the ice cream melts hope that made sense to you and if not well i don't really think this is a math problem you guys will ever have to worry about unless you're for some reason trying to move 1873 scoops of ice cream halfway across america in a relatively short time take care guys looking forward to the next episode that's from rohan
1: now i know how takashi 69 felt in that instagram live video where he's trying to solve the simple math problem (laughs)
0: it's i i can definitely see the steps here but i i i don't think i would be able to come to that conclusion on my own so rohan uh a plus my friend uh you are the listener of the week no offense to our other listeners but hey uh we i didn't expect anybody to do that math problem so big ups for taking that challenge on We have an email here from our friend John Dulong at the John Dulong Show. Check it out on Apple Podcasts. Hey, guys, long time no right. You may recall that on a previous email, I recounted the fact that I had encountered the twins, perhaps evil twin versions of Lucas and Will in the wilds. I I remember this. I remember this. I have an update. Bizarro Lucas, as it turns out, has started working for the same company as I do. Oh, my
1: goodness. The plot thickens.
0: Uh, he recycled properly and didn't make me wait for the coffee machine. So, you know, probably not evil. Uh, and he also gives us a shout out for our best of Halifax nomination. Thank you, John. He was actually, I was at my cousin's place in New Brunswick, which is a province over. It's a couple of hours drive. And all of a sudden my, uh, John Dulong from the John DeLong show, he, uh, uh, put it up on Facebook of like, hey, everybody, Will's nominated. And I'm like, what? And then I kind of find out <laughs> for this. So, so breaking news uh, from him. Thanks a lot, John. And again, check his podcast out.
1: No, I, I found out a, a bunch of nominations that way. This year, uh, it's actually pretty touching because I've been paying attention to the Best of Halifax Awards my whole life. Um, and I never thought this year, my my dad's nominated for, for Counselor. Uh, uh, my best friend of all time is nominated for uh, Best Director uh, so it's a it's a pretty special class of nominations this year so um, hopefully someday maybe we could get John Dulong nominated for best podcast
0: Yeah I think that's uh something we can definitely do We weren't we we tried to get nominated in our first year and it didn't really take you gotta gotta kind of prove to people you're here to stay that's why rise and that- grind baby just like a rocks the
1: rocks Instagram videos. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm the type of person who gets up at 4 a.m. and eats a stack of waffles. Yeah. (laughs) Our last email has to do with last week's episode, which was the first ever free edition of the filibuster as a thank you for everybody nominating us, and it's a response to my section of it. It's from Esky. Uh, I heard your thoughts on the first Kingdom Hearts game, and I'd have to say that the second game definitely improves on most of my gripes about the first game. My being me, Will. However, the worlds in Kingdom Hearts 2 are much more bland in comparison to the first game. I think they tried to keep it simple as the first game generally gave no direction in how to get to the objective. I enjoyed the first game's simple story. I can understand why you might have thought it was too basic. After the first game, the series story gets much more complex with all the spin-off games. So I think you would be more a fan of these latter games that focus more on deep story. Just wanted to give my opinions on the series. Hope you have fun catching up before Kingdom Hearts three. Thank you, Esky, and uh, yes, as I said last week, you can check it out. It's our free edition of the filibuster. Uh, wasn't uh, that was a bit of a nostalgia buster for old uh, for old the first Kingdom Hearts game. I kind of didn't end up enjoying it as much as I did when I was a teenager. But I'll tell you this started playing Kingdom Hearts 2 and after the first two and a half hours with all that story garbage man does that game is that game immediately better in like almost every conceivable way even just in little touches of quality of life man it's oh, I'm having so, so much of a better time and I've barely just begun so it's a good sign indeed
1: now will have I played a Kingdom Hearts game no have I watched a 40 minute Kingdom Hearts lore video yes and I could honestly <laughs> say, if uh the uh, the basicness of the story, was one of your issues of the first game boy howdy do i got good news for you
0: oh uh, don't 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 you worry about that i mean <laughs> i've already got uh i've got a mountain of a climb ahead of me yeah of uh, apparently Sneakers it's here.
1: like specifically when he says the spin-offs, it's true like even two even though two adds some layers of complexity to really see the like bonkers stuff it's like the psp games and like birth by sleep and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. 187 days over something something like all those
0: uh get very
1: complicated
0: 358 over two actually so I'm, in, I'm into it enough that I know what that is. Oh, no, but... I, I,
1: I'm having flashbacks to that email, but the math problem.
0: <laughs> All right, thanks, everybody, for your emails over at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Always enjoy receiving those. Lucas, we're getting, we're getting near to the end of season four. We've only got a couple of episodes after this. Uh, so let's get started here with 1001 Dads, which is something that kind of confused you from the outset uh, the last time we talked about it.
1: Yeah, um, I still don't really, like, it's not a great title. This episode could have, I first, because of the way the episode title looks like in the uh, video we watch. Um, mm-hmm. When numbers are next to the episode number, I kind of, like, block them out. So at first I thought this episode was just called Dads, like oh, the yeah. uh, Midwestern emo band or something. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's a much better title than 1001 Dads.
0: So it is indeed about fatherhood to this episode. It starts off with Arthur and Buster trying to get a kite out of a tree, but then Buster leaves quickly because his dad is on the phone. And this is where we actually get the straight-up explanation. Like, Arthur does the Ferris Bueller thing to the camera, and he's just like, yeah, uh, Buster's parents divorced when he was four years old, so he doesn't get to see his dad.
1: Yeah, capital D divorced. Like, They've been, um, a lot of animated shows will do this where they kind of have implied separation or when they're trying to show different types of homes or different type of like home lives, um, they'll kind of dance around like explicitly saying what happened with the family, but Arthur sort of gives us this info dump and it's very explicit like, oh, uh, Buster's parents got divorced when he was four, his dad's a pilot so he lives with his mom and he doesn't get to see his dad as much. Um, and it's again, something I've always really liked about Arthur. We've talked about this before, about how it shows different, basically people who have different economic lifestyles and it shows people who have different cultural lifestyles. And this is just another example of, I can think of few other animated shows that, uh, handled, uh, divorce in such a mature way right off from the bat.
0: Yeah, just gets it like gets right out in front of it and explains it, which is what you would want to do with uh, with kids who might not be familiar with what that is. It made me think about like I don't know of how many other uh, like divorced parents in you know, maybe kids media, but just in media in general. The only one I could think of was uh, uh, from the first two seasons of Digimon, uh, Matt and TK's parents are divorced. And that was the only other one that I could remember. From like my childhood of, of just because usually it's like it's so much more often the story is like oh th- uh, they have one parent that died so like yeah. the parents are like widowed or, or widowers.
1: I think sticking around. I think the parents are divorced.
0: That's that's a weird one. Like I, I, when I was watching it, kind of semi recently, like in the last year or something, it's not clear. Like they live <laughs> in like they live in different houses, but they see each other all the time, and they also. Seem to be like fairly romantic with each other sometimes, so I
1: don't oh, know. Oh, really?
0: I, yeah, like I, 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 think you might be right there, but it's a little like it's it's, it's, it, it, it's
1: it, it. runs into the problem that this episode doesn't
0: by not being
1: explicit about what's going on by trying to kind of have its cake and eat it too. Whereas yeah, Arthur yeah. is the the uh the meter stick basically for divorce stories in children's television. Uh, I'd say so. Mm -hmm.
0: absolutely so yeah that's kind of what the cold open is about but that also he gets to go on his dad go with his dad on cool adventures and he's uh buster is showing arthur his collection of like uh basically food from around the world that he's collected like half a ham sandwich or ham all in spanish and he also has uh, a candy wrapper from I think it was Japan, right, or was it? I Kong- think it was China, like China, be- okay.
1: Beijing or something. Yeah.
0: And he's just like licks it, and he's like, "You can still taste the radishes." Um, and then Buster comes out of his house and just like, "This is going to be the best Father's Day ever." Uh, he's not going to see his dad, and his dad is not come to see him, so he's got a mystery here. And Arthur's like, "Something smells fishy here. It's not just the hamon. Hamon. It's a fun word to say." Um, yeah, so the entire episode is based around the idea of the father son, the Father's Day picnic, which we we see immediately because somebody's putting up posters for it. When's the last time you saw somebody use roll on glue for a poster?
1: Um, I don't actually see people applying it because they're usually doing it in the middle of the night or very early in the morning. I've seen roll on glue posters throughout the downtown. Um, but it's a pretty, like, you have to put them on walls, and usually there's very specific bylaws on, like, what's able to go up and what's not able to go up, but I Mm -hmm. I see it sometimes. Um, those Ryan Hemsworth posters that used to be near the (laughs) waterfront for, like, three years before they were removed, those are roll-on glue.
0: Right, I just kind of, I'm more used to seeing, like, staples more than anything
1: else. and those are also, like, I think illegal via bylaws, but, uh, it's pretty hard to enforce.
0: So... The crux of this episode is that Arthur is worried that, you know, Buster uh, won't be able to enjoy the Father's Day picnic because his dad's not going to be there. So it kind of comes from a good place of that Arthur doesn't want Buster to feel left out or ostracized. But the thing is, is that many times in this episode, Buster just straight up says, I have plans, and Arthur doesn't believe him. So... He's, I said here, like, I appreciate that he's worrying about Buster, but there is part of it that is none of his business, and Arthur is just kind of sticking his nose in it. Just like, if, you're, if your boy says he has plans, he has plans, okay? And, and, End of well, story. I
1: think that's part of the characterization of this episode. It's definitely purposeful. Like, uh, uh, even Buster comments on, like, Arthur, there's a very specific moment later on, but we might as well talk about it now, where uh, they're kind of having a conversation about this, and... Uh, Buster's like, now do you believe me? And Arthur's like, no. And then, like at some point, Buster's explaining, like Arthur, you're a good friend. And before Buster can finish his thought, he's like, I know. So it's like, <laughs> I the characterization of uh, Arthur, I he's kind of the antagonist of this episode in a weird
0: way. Yeah, you're right. His I heart's
1: did. in the right place, but he's misguided, and he should really just trust his friend and take up on his word.
0: I did. I, I did like that line. He's just like, are you? You said it yourself, Arthur. You're a really good friend. I know. And <laughs> just like. Come on, man. You're right. It, he is pretty pretty much like the closest thing to an antagonist this episode has. Um they do a quick shot of like like if Buster tried to do the Father's Day events by himself where he's they like have the egg throwing competition and he throws it to himself but he gets egg on his face. The first of two times in this episode somebody does the egg on face gag. <laughs> um, there's also We also
1: get another aside. Yeah, we have yeah, to talk about this.
0: Yeah, so um the, he's just imagining like maybe buster would be embarrassed so it's like uh principal haney is flipping burgers he's like uh, a burger for you and your wait a minute where's your father and he's with bitsy his mom and he's just like oh my parents are divorced and and then <laughs> principal haney like flips a hamburger onto his chef's hand, he's like parents are divorced and his attention everyone buster's parents are divorced <laughs> I wasn't sure where this is going.
1: It kind of ended up like he was trying to get everyone's attention because he was, like, pitying Buster and sympathetic towards him. And he's like, everybody group hug, like, to try and cheer him up. But at first I thought, like, Mr. Haiti was some sort of, like, religious Puritan. Like, he was, like, opposing to, like, King Henry and, like, his parents are divorced. My God. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I wasn't sh- sure how he was shame, about to react.
0: Shame. Shame. <laughs> yeah, like, societal shame is what Arthur is afraid that will happen with Buster. Uh, yeah, but it's a, a little bit more tame than that. Uh, so he's trying to kind of keep Buster's mind off the Father's Day picnic, but also they come up with the idea, uh, they being Arthur, Francine, and DW is also there, uh, that they can just find someone else to be Buster's dad for the picnic. And the first person they run into that they try it with is Pickles the Clown, because, uh, Pal has this kind of weird sixth sense about where Pickles is and knows that he's allergic, so he just likes to go up and bother him.
1: One of these days, we need to get a uh, a Pal and Pickles episode where it's like talking Pal, um, and it's right. basically just him going on hijinks with Pickles, like Road Rudder esque, uh, just messing with Pickles all episode long. I'm excited. I'm happy to see Pickles back though. I wasn't sure if Pickles was going to be like go the way of Spanky or Toadie and be sort of more of a one-off character. It's nice that Pickles pops up now and then.
0: So their idea is, you know, to have pickles go to Arth- to Buster's place and like ask him to go to the Father's Day picnic with him. Can you imagine if a clown approached you when you were a child and asked to be your father for the day?
1: Yeah, I can't see uh Buster's mom being too pleased with that turn of events. Yeah, th- this
0: this 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 never rang any warning bells for me until you know, age 27, where I'm like, hey, wait a second, this is a really terrible idea, and frankly, kind of scary. (laughs) Uh,
1: Buster tells Pickles that he has plans, like he's been telling everybody, Uh, but he buys Pickles balloons for $5. Uh, Arthur ends up picking up the check because he takes the balloons, and then Pickles goes up to Arthur, and he's like, "Uh, $5, please. That's a lot of balloons for $5, and they're also inflated with helium. As someone who had to buy balloons from the party store uh, semi-recently, uh, it was closer to 25 to $30, uh, and it wasn't even that many balloons. So, $5 for that, uh, Buster, that's a steal. Pickles Infl- is gonna be
0: out of business very soon with those kind of prices. Inflation, man. It gets us all. Um, I will say here, Pickles' voice kind of changes from appearance to appearance, and this is probably my favorite it's been so far, where it's, he's, he's very, he's a lot more gregarious. He's just like, uh... Arthur's like so are you going to the picnic with him he's like nope <laughs> he said he was busy but he took the balloons and then I also love the line of they uh cost five dollars <laughs> this is like the he's, uh, he's uh, always on.
1: miserable the least miserable we've seen pickles because usually like pickles in the past the one joke has been he's just allergic so he's like oh my allergies
0: yeah really uh And then Buster just lets the balloons go, so Arthur basically spent five bucks for nothing. But you're right. He could have uh, been fleeced for a lot more. Um, Buster, that's bad for the environment, man. You can't be doing that. Yeah, but he's a kid. We all, Like, all of us did that when we were kids. Granted, there's a lot of balloons.
1: Lucas from Elwood City Limits here. Do not release balloons into the sky. The ducks
0: choke on them. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh their next idea is when they talk to Brain. Brain's like, uh, like Buster, like Buster wouldn't have fun going to that thing with a clown. He'd stick out like a sore thumb. So instead, we get, uh, you know, we te- tend to, we tend to push Brain's uh, genius status a little far sometimes. And this is one where he creates a robotic dad. Uh, yeah, named it's very Urkel esque. The, the, the lifelike automated father or laugh, and he just looks like a large, like a, a an adult bunny with, you know, visible nails and uh, whatnot, kind of very visibly metal. They sit him on a park bench. They also say that they used parts from the the mechanical cat from the Buster Baxter Cat Saver episode. Which is some great,
1: like, continuity Con- right there.
0: Yeah. And then, of course, Brain realizes he forgot to change the voice box, so when he, they try to have the dad talk, he just goes, meow, meow. <laughs> And Buster tries to help him, just like, oh, no, sir, you've swallowed a cat. And then accidentally ends up breaking him, and then they all just kind of uh, uh, run away with him.
1: After that, we get my favorite of these, like, asides. These, yeah. th- this episode's called "A 1001 Dads because it's basically the kids trying to find a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. They're just trying to get all these dads to addition to be Arthur's dad. It's kind of similar to the episode where Muffy's looking for a new friend. It's like one of those ensemble episodes where everybody's got a different idea, and we kind of see how it plays out from there. But my favorite is definitely uh, the sequence where uh, Arthur and Francine uh, decide to see if Mr. Ratburn will be Buster's dad for the day. And even Arthur is not so sure about this plan. He goes, I don't know. I wouldn't want him as a dad.
0: I know. I felt so bad for him. I'm just like, poor Mr. Ratburn. He seems like such a... He seems like such a good guy, and it's too bad it just hasn't worked out for him in that in that department as a father uh, or just what have you.
1: We we get this great flashback where uh, they yeah. kind of are giving the idea to Mister Rapper, and Mister Rapper's like, "I used to have so much fun." at the, uh, the father-son picnic back in the day, and it's, like, young Mr. Rappern with his father, and they're just, like, solving math problems on the park bench, and he's like, another one, Daddy! Math problem—one math problem's never enough! And my other favorite thing about this, I didn't write down the old-timey names, but because this is supposed to be from when Mister Rappard was a very young kid, like all the names the uh, dad is using in the word problem are like really, really like antiquated, like old names that you do not hear, like something like Bartholomew or something. It's not Bartholomew. Uh, I wish I wrote them down. Uh, I, I, but I got a kick out of those.
0: I think a couple of them are like one of them is definitely Obadiah, and I think Obadiah. An, I think there's an Ezekiel in there too. Yeah, it's great. And it, and his dad, I love the design in his dad. He just like has the kind of parted hairstyle he's got glasses he's got suspenders on it looks like it's you know from the 1950s maybe and little ratburn is really cute like i just i love mm. that whole thing i'm i'm glad you pointed that out uh, arthur and francine not unsubtly drop a hint to mr ratburn to, uh, to have him ask buster which he does after class which again kind of weird but we know mr ratburn and his heart's in the right place uh the face um he like when he asks buster buster ha- like immediately gets horrified it looks like they, you dropped an ice cube down his back <laughs> like his 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 pupils go as as tiny as anything his eyes are as wide as saucers because he just has this imagination of them at uh, like just like toasting marshmallows and then mr ratburn asks him another quest like a math question and he's like pay attention buster there'll be a test on this tomorrow so, like, and he... uh,
1: we get this moment where Buster kind of claps at Mr. Rapper, and he's a little bit rude to him, but he's like, thank goodness I have plans. I mean, I have plans. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, at this point, Buster's getting suspicious that Arthur is up to something um, through all these plans, and he tries to talk to him in his house, but Arthur kind of evades him. He's just like, uh buster rings the doorbell is just like i just wanted to make sure that you didn't think i was going to be sad about the father's day picnic and then arthur's like father's gonna be gonna be great i promise i swear can't talk now bye he tries to put his
1: foot in the door again and he's like it's just that everyone's been acting really weird the uh, like to me and he's like he similarly like arthur could not be more suspicious
0: yeah, he's not really good at, at, at keeping up the front, uh, we've learned. Um, he's trying to get Buster away because he uh, has gathered a council at his house to try and figure out this problem. Uh, they they bandy a couple of ideas around. Um, oh, we get this
1: great moment from George yeah. where he holds up Pal and he goes, I, great, I do a great dad voice. Uh,
0: go, and- go to your
1: room, Arthur. We get some uh, classic uh, vintage Elwood City Limit, uh animal hierarchy because uh, <laughs> Arthur goes, uh, he wouldn't want a puppy for a dad, and it's like, now that's a very real possibility in this world. I don't know if you should say that, Arthur.
0: Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Um, we also, I also kind of like this line here. Prunella says she could hypnotize Buster so that he thinks a cushion is his father, and Arthur's like, Buster can't go around with a cushion; everyone will <laughs> laugh at him. He just sounds really offended. Uh, we get another thing here where it's the, the past predicting the future. Muffy has a VR headset that she... Yeah, but- <laughs> Muffy brought the HTC Vibe
1: to the <laughs> HTC Vibe and she set up the the sensor towers in Arthur's living room.
0: She's got it ready to go. I love this though because it's a headset and but it also operates on CD-ROM. <laughs> so you it's like you put the goggles on and then you put the CD-ROM into a slot on the goggles and it just starts spinning. It looks like, like it. one of those
1: slideshow headsets taped to a motorcycle helmet, essentially. like it's a very low red looking, like very low tech
0: like a view like a viewmaster.
1: Yes, a viewmaster.
0: Um, and she's <laughs> boy, there's like there's a couple of things in this episode that you don't notice until you're older, like I said before. And she's like, I, like we can use this VR pro this VR headset that I have. This one is called Daddy. And I was like, do not Ooh. use the daddy game around your friends. <laughs>
1: Maybe it's something. De- maybe it's Dream Daddy. Maybe it's a little bit more on the level than just Daddy.exe.
0: Just like don't put the da- don't put the Daddy CD-ROM. If we've learned anything in 2018, don't just wait until you're alone just so you can figure it out.
1: I'm gonna write an article for uh, uh, Polygon about people using the Daddy VR headset at the uh, uh, Anime Convention. <laughs> What's the etiquette?
0: um but what it is it's actually it's it is just a simulation of uh playing catch with your dad and it's like in vector graphics
1: Mm -hmm. it looks like battle zone or something
0: yeah it does uh i think they've used vector graphics a couple times because we've definitely asked about it uh arthur is really taken by it but then Muffy's like on second thought i think i'll use the helmet and buster can have my dad uh, but then the solution they decide to go with is one that Binky says, and he's like, I could be Buster's dad. I'm older. And he's like, oh, and everybody's like, well, only by one year. And Vicky's Big, and like, um, uh, I, well, I don't see any dads lining up behind me. And he just quickly, like, looks behind him. And so then we get the best part of the episode by far. Absolutely, his
1: Dad Binky, and the the comedy here is just stupendous. Like every single moment from this like five minute sequence of Binky training to become a dad is just fantastic. Especially like the longer you think about it, the funnier it gets. Like there's a part where he's like babysitting the Tibbles, so I just picture like Binky like approaching Mrs. Tibble and be like, "Hey, can I babysit your kids to uh, train <laughs> to be a dad?" Um, and it's 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 wonderful.
0: Um, th- I I I said here I want a full episode of Binky babysitting the Tibbles. We've got like we've gotten several episodes out of like different people interacting with them. Binky, I want to see. Uh, it, but there but there are some really great like quick ones here and there as we go through the montage of Binky becoming a dad. Like Arthur gets him a bunch of books on the subject of how to be a parent, and he's like, "Thanks." Tie your shoelaces.
1: Yeah, immediately Binky has like switched on dad mode, and he's like, "Tie your shoelaces. You could trip." Like, and the, he tucks yeah, a DW so tight she can't breathe and the and the uh, covers. He gets a suit. He goes to, like, Mark's, War, he goes to Moore's, and he uh, gets a, <laughs> like, a tan suit with elbow patches and glasses that are not his prescription.
0: I don't know how they managed to find such a perfect child-sized dad ensemble, but they did it.
1: So he's, he's hanging out with Buster, uh, and he keeps calling him my boy, like he's uh, uh, Zelda's dad from the CDI Legend of Zelda <laughs> games, like, Buster, my boy, peace like this is what all true warriors strive for. My ship
0: sails in the morning. I wonder what's for dinner.
1: I'm my- so hungry, I could eat an entire Octorok. Oh, boy, I'll grab
0: my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i did i didn't think of that but you're totally right my boy uh <laughs> he does he does use that a lot and he's trying to like pour him hot chocolate from a thermos but because he's got the non-prescription glasses they're uh frigging up his eyes so like buster's just like moving around and he's like quit moving the cup i mean yeah yeah watch it my boy into, is, is he reverts
1: hot he reverts into old Binky, and he's like, stop moving the cup! And then he, like, catches himself, and he's like, watch it, my boy, this is a hot beverage.
0: There's, a, there's like, a couple of times where he reverts back to old Binky, where, like, uh, Buster's kind of catching on. This is like, a scheme from Arthur. Binky has, like, a book that he's keeping just in case of, like, dad isms. So it's, like, he looks away from Buster, and he's like, duh, starve a cold and feed a fever. And then... <laughs> And then Buster, Buster like really is catching on. And then Biggie's like, yeah, but just play along doofus. It's for your own good. <laughs> like that, like that was it. That was, that was what cracked. And then Buster leaves. He says, you can tell Arthur that I already have a father and I'm not sad. <laughs> and My favorite line of this is Binky just going, yes, you are. You're miserable. <laughs> and, then and then we he, get
1: this great moment of like physical comedy where Binky like falls in a river and rips his new suit.
0: And he, and to which he, to which he says some son i bet he won't even get me a tie for father's day uh at this point buster is uh completely distrustful of arthur he they meet up at the sugar bowl and buster's like i wonder oh, who buster's my buster's got f-
1: such a great monologue here
0: i want yes uh he's just like i wonder who my father is today but then arthur uh reassures him that he's not going to try and do that we actually get this interesting uh camera work here where it's like it starts at one of arthur's shoulders as he sits down and then it moves to the other shoulder did you notice that uh,
1: i didn't notice that i'm pulling it up again now that's really interesting um, in this scene like it, not only does he say i wonder who my father is today he's like pointing to objects around the room and he's like is that my dad is that my dad he's like is it that pinata and there's just a bowl pinata and it's just a one-off like that's not a reference to anything there's just a pinata of the sugar bowl
0: So, yes, I want to talk about this monologue, like you said, from Buster. And I've got to be honest with you, I'm just thinking about it right now. And uh, when I was watching it, definitely, it it got me a little misty-eyed because this is, um, I I mean, Lucas, your parents are still together, right? Uh, Yes, they are. Uh, my parents divorced not when I was young like Buster, but when I was actually in like junior high, high school. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, a lot of this episode I related to because of my own experience and essentially what Buster like this is the this is the Arthur, you're a great friend, but you don't always listen. Uh, and Buster is very straight up. Again, they're tackling this issue very well. You know, he says, I admit sometimes I do miss my dad and I am and I get a little upset because I can't see him. I have to call him. But I love the adventures that we go on. And even though my parents aren't together, we're still a family. It just looks a little different from yours. And honestly, I had never considered divorce in that way. And like, I've been through it myself uh, of just how they are still a family. It just looks a, lot, a little different than a lot of the other kids in Elwood City whose parents are still together and 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 for my specific situation that is still very much true um my dad doesn't fly a plane but he is far away and I don't get to see him very often but we are very close as a familial unit like there's no uh there's not there's not much tension behind the divorce it's just like uh, my parents are still very friendly with each other and all this kind of stuff. Like my, my dad helped my mom move just last week when he came down. So this really kind of struck an emotional inert chord with me. And I think that they handled it incredibly well.
1: Yeah, I think it's important for things like these, like, so often, um, I mean, it's a sitcom thing, right? And, and a lot of times cartoons are copying the formats of sitcoms. But so often we see in shows that it's we sort of have the nuclear family unit, right? And so more often than that, it's it, every family is different, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's nice to see some representation of that in a kid's show, uh, because we sort of get less... Uh, variety and diversity in kids TV than we get in adult TV. In adult TV, you could find pretty much every living situation under the sun. Uh, so that's what makes, I think, this episode really special is that it handles it in a mature and realistic way. Um, and it, But it doesn't come off as ham-fisted or after-school specially at all. It just comes off as very real and mm-hmm. genuine, uh, specifically in this uh,
0: Buster monologue here. Um, so, Arthur... Like one more time asks him says like, So are you coming to the picnic? He's like, No, I have plans. So Arthur finally has to let this go uh and kind of sees things from Buster's perspective. The ending of this episode is that everybody is at the Father's Day picnic. Arthur is the second person to get egg on his face from the egg throwing contest. And then and then all of a sudden, uh uh, and we see the Tibbles went with Mister Ratburn, so they got their father figure there, which is uh, the, their their familial situation is left unaddressed for uh, the foreseeable future. The Tibble twins, and then they spot a hot air balloon coming in, and it's piloted by Buster and his mom. And I thought it was interesting here how like everybody sees the balloon, and Buster gets like this hero's welcome of like, "Hey, look, it's Buster! Hey, everybody, it's Buster!" Like the whole town knows who he is. I mean, if you were
1: at, like, a school father-son picnic, and, like, you're, like, eight, and one of your friends arrives in a hot air balloon, that's a pretty
0: boss move. It is. It really is. Um, And then Buster reveals that the big surprise is that his dad rented out hot air balloon rides for the whole afternoon. Uh, even Even though he can't be there himself, he wanted everybody to enjoy Father's Day. And the episode ends on a bit of a weird note of just like, uh, you know, Arthur, Arthur sees all this goes down and he's like, he runs off and Buster's like, what's wrong, Arthur? Aren't you going to come on the hot air balloon? And he's like, yes, of course I am. But I have to I have to go to the bathroom. I have egg on my face. And that's and that and that's it. Like, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I understood, I understood the joke, but it yeah, just- uh-huh. all
1: it's missing is him like winking at the camera and, and, and freeze frame.
0: All right. And our second half of this Arthur episode,
1: before, before we get to this app, ep- I remembered another cartoon where the parents were divorced. The oh. Weekenders, Tino's mom oh, yeah. and dad aren't together. In fact, Tino's mom goes on a bunch of dates with different guys. In that show. And you right, don't meet Tino's dad. Right. T- it's a- the final episode of Weekenders actually has a very similar ending to this episode in a way. Because it involves uh, father-son bonding and giant balloons. Um, Tino and his dad go up in the Zeppelin ride. And that's the last <laughs> episode of The Weekenders.
0: Really? Man, mm-hmm. I-, I haven't thought about The Weekenders in a while. I wonder if it holds up.
1: The Weekenders? Oh, The Weekenders is totally like... Uh, it, it, mileage may vary depending on which characters you like. Like, I find it really rough to get through the Tish episodes. Oh yeah. Uh, but as a as like Lore Carver and Tino are all hilarious characters that are very well fleshed out.
0: Maybe I'll have to Carver go back and, especially. Maybe I'll have to go back and check it out. The only things I remember from the Weekenders are, uh, the episode where Tish joined like an acting company, but nobody got her name right. Like they kept calling her Trish. I think. And uh, that also might have been the same episode with skate Abrasion. Like, I just remember that.
1: The Weekenders always made uh, being a, like, mall rat miscreant seem really fun because those kids were getting pizza at that pizza place that was a different theme every single weekend. They would go to the museum and get the free food from the free food exhibit. Like, they just had these, like, activities they would do over and over again. Like, they were always playing pool. Like, they had their go-to hangout spots. Uh, and you were like, dang, I wish I could hang out with the Weekenders crew.
0: I also feel really bad because when I was little and watching the Weekenders, you know, I think that that was when I was, like, maybe 10 years old or something. Uh, I really liked how uh, Tino's mom kind of talked like the rest of the kids. And I said to my mom, like, why can't you be cool like Tino's mom?
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> oh,
0: man. I did, Tino was,
1: like, <laughs> sassy. Tino was pulling, like, some white boy stuff with his mom. Like, oh, yeah. he would, like, talk back to her and stuff. Yeah. Um. Uh, that show, that show was good. I like the Weekenders. It's one of not... the only shows like Arthur. It's one of the only cartoons where their outfits change from day to day. That was also a nice detail. But they would, they would recycle the same outfits, but they would uh, uh, like Switch alternate them. them.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll have to go back and check it out sometime. All right. So this second half, this is when I was flying a little blind because uh, I d- did not remember what the the idea behind this was at first at all. Uh, Prunella's prediction. Uh, and I just definitely in the dark when we started here because it's like it starts off as we're in. It's a first person perspective of like a uh, haunted house ride yeah, and like the
1: Tower of Terror esque on rails haunted house experience.
0: Yeah. And w- our our host through it is Arthur, who is dressed up in a stereotypical Dracula costume, but his voice actor is also doing the Bella Lugosi voice in in Arthur's voice, and I could tell he's having a lot of fun with it. Of just like, Prunella finds out what it's like to be cursed. And it's just, I, I, I got a big kick out of it. It's like, we'll never, probably never hear this accent from Arthur again, but just, uh, I don't know. I could tell they were having a bit of fun with it.
1: It reminds me of the uh, David S. Pumpkins SNL sketch. Oh,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> any questions (laughs) Uh, i did also like arthur's dracula costume thought it looked pretty cool but they do this weird effect with his glasses where like it has this blue underline under his eyes so it always kind of looks like he's like anime crying for some reason yeah
1: or he's either anime crying or he just looks like he's like really underlit like there's always a flashlight under his face or something yeah um the the uh, Dracula costume is even funnier when he breaks the Bella Lugosi character at the very end because it's like the big reveal is supposed to be like Prunella, and he's like Prunella's not here. Where is she? And he's just like acting like normal Arthur, and his like body language has completely changed. Like he's just kind of walking around, but he still has like the fangs in him and everything. I like that moment.
0: Uh, yeah. So the entire ride is like scary moments, uh, from like fashion moments from the yeah fashion uh, nightmares from the art from the Arthur character. So it's like when the Brain wore pajamas to school uh, and Buster, his uh, swim cap and all this kind of stuff. like Francine has Bride of Frankenstein hair. And the like you said, the reveal is supposed to be Prunella, but she's actually not there. So it's like we were led to believe there's some kind of fashion disaster that Prunella is a part of that is this episode. And the episode starts with one of my favorite tropes in anything is TV show within a TV show or... <laughs> Like a fake TV show within something reminds me of Alan Wake. Uh, so they're wa- uh, uh, Prunella and her sister Rubella are watching a show called Silver Hills, which yeah. which I took to be like this must be like the Arthur version of Degrassi. It's very
1: like nine hundred two one zero. Yeah, uh, uh, Dawson's Creek, One Tree
0: Hill, um, that kind of era of like teen drama. Mm. So prunella takes it's it's yeah it is like a teen drama but then uh, one of the one of the characters comes out and she's wearing something called flash pants which is uh prunella's object of affection in this episode and how would you so descri- the way- how would you describe this effect that uh, flash pants have
1: so the way flash pants are animated they're animated like nothing else in arthur it's um it reminds me of a lot of like the mtv logos and stuff like that, the way they achieve this effect yes. is basically, like, all the animation is on one layer, and then the flash pants are on the background layer, and the flash pants are just photography of, like, actual, like, tinfoil, like, it's live action for t- images of tinfoil cycling through, but they're cycling through in the background layer, so the way the folds and the crinkle in the flash plants, like, it, it, this is hard to describe, if you saw a picture of the, people would know exactly what I'm talking about, and it's easier yes. just to compare it to other stuff like Angela Anaconda, uses the same effect all the time. Like anytime someone's wearing a pattern and the pattern remains unmoving because it's just kind of the the top layer's moving, not the pattern in the background, that's essentially what they're doing with the flash pants. And they're also kind of like bell-bottomy. They're very gaudy.
0: Yeah, they are. But it's, it definitely seems like something that that uh, someone with a kid sensibility would be into. And Prunella, mm-hmm. uh, her birthday is coming up and she has been hinting at wanting flash pants Uh, quite heavily Uh, and there I know that we said before like Prunella is definitely not our favorite character and Rubella even less so but there is an aspect to her character that was introduced in this episode that I actually really liked Um, there's several points where she like Um, you you know, she's mostly seen as talking, speaking normally, but every once in a while she goes into her affected psychic, uh, like way of speaking. But the implication here is that Rubella is just really observant and then passes it off as being psychic, which I actually kind of like. So, uh, I I
1: wrote this down as, oh, this episode straight up exposes Rubella
0: as a fraud. (laughs) Uh, is so like, um. They're watching the show, and they're like, oh, no, is this character going to, it's like, uh, you know, the, for the character who isn't wearing flash pants, uh, she's like, is Jake is Jake going to like me if I don't wear those? And the other character who is wearing flash pants is like, yeah, of course he will. And then Pranella's like, no, 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 you need to get flash pants or whatever it is. And then Rubella's just like, I have a prediction. Jake is going to dump her just like in the previews. <laughs> And it's like, wow, that was, that was taxing. I need a snack.
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually really think this is an improvement for the rebella character because in previous episodes, it's kind of been left up to the audience to decide whether she actually has some magical power or if she's just like a crazy person. Um, and now we basically get the explanation, which is, um, so she is pretending, mostly. Um, all she does is kind of observe things, and when she hears about stuff, she passes it off. As it's her psychic powers, uh, and I, I, overall, I think that is an improvement for the Rubella character.
0: Well, yeah, because like previously, she just kind of seemed like up her own butt about this kind of stuff of just yeah. like like lording it over everybody. But now it's just like, oh, okay. Well, she just has she's just a very good observer, but she's certainly not psychic. It's all just a put on. Uh, and she she goes into the kitchen to get a snack. Rubella does, and then hears her mom talking about. Something silver that uh, her grandparents are going to get Prunella for her birthday. So then Rebella kind of puts that forth into a psychic prediction. Uh, there's actually a, a funny little line, a delivery, more, more of a delivery from uh, Prunella here. Uh, Rubella asks her into a room to like, under the pretense of like reading her astrological sign. And then she does the reading and Prunella's like, you got me in here to read that? Just very saucy. I liked it. This is
1: I. I actually really like Prudella in this episode. Me too. Um, and we'll like get in Prunella as the voice of reason, or as like the person who is sort of the skeptic in all this. Is a good role for her. We have this really funny moment later on where. Um, Rubella's trying to show off her psychic powers and say that she thinks something from an old person is coming in the mailbox. And for some reason, Prudella just keeps thinking it's like the Bob Barker sweepstakes or the uh, uh, what's the sweepstakes guy's name? I don't uh, know.
0: I, I'm, not sure, uh, I'm not sure.
1: Ed McMahon. The Ed McMahon. He he thinks it's like she she keeps like the old man from the sweepstakes. She's like it's the
0: sweepstakes. I've won the sweepstakes. Um, which there's a blast from the
1: past. The '90s. Remember mail-in
0: sweepstakes. Only barely, and yeah. I definitely was too young to do those. Um, the other storyline that's going on here is that Arthur's mom and dad are going somewhere for some amount of time. I'm very curious as to where they're going. They never say. And Grandma Thora is taking care of them at their house. And as it's begun to snow, um, th- th- there's, a, there's a good line here from DW where um, – uh, Muffy's having a skating party the next day and then DW's like it's snowing can we go outside and play and Grandma Thor is like yes and yes you may go to the skating thing and DW just goes more people should be like you <laughs> it's very, very much using her grandma powers to the to the nth degree um and but they realize that Arthur his jacket, like his jacket that we've seen him with before, is too small for him. So when his parents get back, they're going to need a new jacket. But until then, Grandma Thor provides him with an old jacket that his dad used to wear, and it is hideous. It's
1: it's like the jacket. It's like the Gore-Tex jacket that um,
0: uh, George was wearing in the episode of Seinfeld
1: where he's got the puffy jacket. Yeah. Except
0: it's puke green. <laughs> it is, and it's it, it makes him look like – well, it makes him look like the Michelin Man, but the uh, – the analog here is that Arthur's dad used to be a fan of the comic book called the terrific three, which were, uh, superheroes that were, that were, uh, land fish, which is a fish that can walk on land. Um, the the legal, eagle. the legal, eagle, half lawyer, half bird. And then Arthur's dad's favorite was Mr. Puffy. So what Arthur has is a Mr. Puffy coat. And it's, uh, like I had a, I had a, a vest that was kind of puffy like this, but it was certainly not, not the same color. And, uh, uh yeah, this is just real ugly looking. Makes uh, Arthur look like a self-park character. Yeah, it does. I actually said it looks makes him look like a giant broccoli. <laughs> um so Prunella uh, is also getting ready to go to Muffy's skating party. I will also note here. Um have you noticed that like the major the episodes that majorly involve Prunella so far are based around her birthday?
1: Oh yeah. Like, I didn't think about that because the other Prunella episodes also about Prunella's birthday, huh. uh, yeah,
0: or her half. And it wasn't that
1: long ago either.
0: No, that was a couple of episodes ago, and also looked to be in a different season, but uh, uh, a different like season of the year. But I don't know. But I. But uh, that's none of my business. Um, so Prunella is pretty much after after Rubella's prediction, quote unquote. Is, she is already writing checks her pants can't cash because (laughs) she's she has is bragging to Muffy as they go through the mall that she's already got her flash pants and then Muffy and then Muffy in order to not be left out of the curb curve gets I'm assuming gets her father to buy her flash pants as well but Brunella hasn't got even gotten her present from her grandparents yet so she doesn't actually know she's just faking like she does there's even there's even a point here where they go past the flash pants and Muffy Muffy just goes must by she's a cat. She's capitalist to the core. Our Muffy crosswire. Brunella making like she has these flash pans and then her actual present comes in the mail. It's in a very small box. And it turns yeah. out it, it's a, it's a silver watch.
1: Well, at first, like she, so she gets the very small box She's like disappointed. She unwraps the box before she looks at what's inside. She's like, they're not the flash pants. And then Rubella's like, maybe they just folded them up really small to surprise you. And Prunella's like, you think? Like Prunella got flash pants in like a Lisa mattress box. And it's like all compressed. Um, but no, it's just a silver watch.
0: And Prunella starts crying. It's kind of, it's, it's, I will say this, as much as Prunella's character is getting better as it fleshed as it's fleshed fleshed out excuse me it's hard to feel sad it's hard to feel bad for her here she kind of really uh jumped off here and jumped to conclusions and unfortunately it's coming back to haunt her so uh so the kind of the through line here between prunella and arthur is that they're both in embarrassing situations prunella because she you know said she'd have flash pants and now she doesn't and she's gonna be embarrassed when it's discovered she doesn't have them. And Arthur because of the Mr. Puffy coat. He even has a dream, a nightmare, where he's wearing he is cast as Mr. Puffy, uh, in a Terrific Three style predicament. Um his dream is that like our um brain, Francine and Buster are skating, and I'm guessing one of the Terrific Three's villains, Mr. Melt, who is a very obvious analogue for Mr. Freeze, uh, causes the ice to melt, to put them in danger. But Arthur shows up as Mr. Puffy in like a like the full Mr. Puffy from head to toe. Like he looks like the green Michelin. Like if the Michelin Man got sick. And, uh, a
1: couple notes about the way this is animated. It's yeah. like panels in a comic book. So you see the comic panels, and it's like it's almost like when you use the Comic Zone app, and it's like going from panel to panel, like zoomed in. Yeah. Um, and also the the way that you draw the characters is the same, but the backgrounds. Have much um, basically darker shading, so mm-hmm. like the, the the shading is all straight black to give it much more of a comic booky feel. Also, small detail: Binky is wearing a Habs jersey, or kind of like a slightly off-brand, um, non-copyright infringing uh, Montreal Canadiens jersey.
0: Is Binky in the dream? Oh, he is. Okay. Uh, oh, I didn't I didn't notice that. Very interesting. But I'm guessing you, you it must be from the colors then. I wonder... uh, well, no, no. It's
1: the logo. Uh, it's The colors are a little off. There's no yellow in the Habs colors, but it's you can see it's a CH. Um, it's the, the Montreal CH logo. Just kind of, again, changed
0: enough not to infringe on copyright. Interesting, because I don't believe Binky's voice actor is a Habs fan. In fact, I think he might be quite the opposite. <laughs> uh, so... You know, Arthur shows up as Mr. Puffy and, like, kind of just flops on top of Mr. Melt and then kicks him in, essentially throws him into the, uh, into the water and definitely kills him. Like, Mr. Melt is dead. (laughs) R.I.P. Mr. Melt. It is savage. And then, uh...
1: The kids are, what's savage is how ungrateful the kids are. They start immediately
0: roasting Mr. Puffy.
1: They're like, who are you, Mr. Moldy Marshmallow Man? They're like, boy, if you don't, even though this guy saved their lives.
0: Yeah, like, Arthur floats up to them and he's just like, I'm Mr. Puffy. And then even though they are on, like, ice flows and could go into sub-zero water, like, they just start throwing snowballs at him. And Arthur just impotently, I love this, he's just like, but I saved you!
1: I I saved you! And then we get this great delivery of like, he's still saying it as he's waking up from the dream. And he's like, oh, I saved you. <laughs>
0: so yeah, the uh, Prunella and Arthur both very embarrassed about their situations. And <laughs> there is such a terrific, this, this I would call a good joke where <laughs> uh, Prunella is uh, Prunella says, you know, she's so embarrassed. She can't go to sk- to skating. And Rubella says, come on Pruni, No one's going to be looking at your pants immediate cut to muffy talking to prunella on the phone i want to look at your pants (laughs) she's like i'll have the driver come pick you up now i have to see what you're wearing with them exactly um and then prunella in the most relatable thing that she's done so far decides that instead of going out to go skating she's gonna hole up in her room with peanut butter and soup and all winter all winter she's just not gonna leave and i was like that sounds like a great winter She's just pulling the classic millennial move of holing up in your room, eating salty foods.
1: And uh, uh, Rubella's like, you're not going to be able to just eat peanut butter and soup all winter. And uh, Prunella's like, I need crackers. And she, like, immediately leaves to go to the grocery store. But she's going incognito. She's got, like, a blonde wing and sunglasses on. Like, she's like Angelina Jolie in the movie Salt.
0: (laughs) And she's looking for that salt. She needs those salty crackers. Uh, She literally bumps into Arthur. They both kind of bump into a can of soup display. Uh, and Arthur is also looking for crackers to hole up in his room. Uh, again, true millennial move. Uh, there's a great line here where they're both standing by the soup cans and over the PA, we just hear this very bored guy say, clean up in aisle three near the puffy green boy. <laughs> um, so eventually they both kind of come to the decision that, you know, seeing themselves through the other's predicament, uh, they realize that it is kind of silly for them to be putting this much stock into being embarrassed because of what they're wearing. Uh, they decide to go skating. I, I must say the animation that is done when the characters are skating, like are, like you know, fluid and in motion, I thought was very good. It's Yuri on (laughs) Ice-esque.
1: One more thing about when they're in the grocery store, uh, Prunella pulls a really sucky move when she sort of has her epiphany that she does want to go skating. Instead of taking all the crackers she took off the shelves and bringing them back herself, she leaves them with the cashier. And she's like, I'm sorry, I don't want these anymore. I'm going skating. And it's like, oh, Prunella, you're winning me over this episode, but it's moments like that where I'm like, oh...
0: It's baby baby steps for Prunella. It's not all going to come at once, I don't think. Uh, So they take a little bit of extra convincing, uh, but then Arthur kind of points out, like, look at what everybody else is wearing, and then just points out how everybody is wearing basically their whoops here, you know, like all the stuff they don't want to get icy or wet. Uh, We even have a thing here where we cut to Buster where he's skating with Brain. He's like, my mom may be wearing this helmet, but I don't know why, and then he takes his... Oh, this huge header into a branch and that's like yeah, then, it's then,
1: jackass-esque. It's 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 a uh really like it doesn't cut away from the contact or anything. Like he just smashes into the branch.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's it's pr- it's pretty vicious. Uh so Arthur so Arthur goes skating. Prunella go, goes to Muffy who uh is upset that Prunella didn't bring her flash pants and now is going to Muffy's going to change into something new. The, the, into less good clothes so she doesn't get them wet or whatever. And that kind of resolves itself. And the episode ends with uh, DW, who said earlier that Arthur would make a great snowball target. Uh, she and her friends just start pelting Arthur with snowballs. All right, let's 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 take it back here to 1001 Dads. What do you think of this one?
1: I, I really liked 1001 Dads. I think it's a really great Arthur episode. It's got all my favorite stuff. Um in episodes that I would consider, like, truly great. Like, it has a moral that's not over-moralizing and after-school especially, but nuanced and complicated and really well-executed. And then it also has some great character work and manages to be, like, totally funny throughout. It's got all my favorite things, components from an Arthur episode. All the stuff with, um... Like, all the funny stuff is, like, stuff with, like, Binky pretending to be a dad, and, like, the flashbacks to Mr. Rapper and when he was young, and, like, the robot meowing. Like, all of that comedy is really, like, wacky, and it hits really well. Um, but then all the stuff of, you know, Buster trying to explain his situation, Arthur not understanding and sort of being an antagonist for that episode, uh, it's done in a way where it doesn't hit you over the head with it, it's really well done, uh, and it's a really entertaining um just great Arthur episode, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I think there's a lot of good in here. It's just something that I'm not even really sure what is kind of holding me back from being, you know, from putting it at the top here. I'm not really sure, even sure what. Definitely talking about it, 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 there's a lot going for it, and especially what hit me the hardest was the approach to divorce, which without making a whole episode about it, they managed to speak a lot of truth to the situation in a way that kids can understand and that still rings true uh, for adults as well. Um, I did. I, I did like all of the different ideas that the kids had for uh, for Buster. I think actually, what holds it back is that like Arthur, kind of. I mean, I don't. I don't want to say that he's acting out of character, but it definitely seems like you really have to push Arthur to be uh, the least understandable he's ever been. It's just uh i i felt like the character was got a little bit unnaturally to where they needed him to go for this episode to happen but uh, so that's probably what makes me keep it back a little bit but other than that i'd say it's uh very solid and exact for what it for what it tackles i think it does uh an a plus job um Frunella's prediction kind of weird uh <laughs> In just kind of structure-wise, I didn't realize until we were talking about it that they do kind of the two separate storylines thing. But I, I really do, I genuinely do appreciate. You know, not not saying that we were necessarily wrong about our feelings on Prunella or Rubella to start off with, but at least they are growing. They seem to be growing and changing, which is definitely very good for a show that's as long-lived as Arthur. Uh, I did like some of the some of the humor in this. I thought it was very good. Um, some of the visuals, like you said, with the comic book style thing. I loved the way that Arthur's Dream was done. You know, its I wouldn't say it's necessarily my favorite episode, but I, I thought, again, uh, I'd say it's solid a solid thumbs up.
1: Yeah, I think this episode... Um is not necessarily, like, similar to you, like, for instance, Dads was probably one of my favorite episodes of the season thus far, to be honest with you. Uh, Prunella's Prediction is an episode that I have very positive feelings about, but I think it's because of how it subverted my expectations. Uh, Me, You know me, I've not been a big fan of Prunella, and especially Rubella, um, and I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed both of their characterizations in this episode, so I think I'm extra kind to it because of that. Uh, I actually happened to find it really, really entertaining, um, and I liked the aspects of like again the Arthur subplot of wearing the old co- uh, coat and all the like Fantastic Four parody and the Mister Freeze parody and all that comic book stuff is very fun, um, and then all the stuff with like Prunella being anxious and like wanting to hold up in her room. Um, there, there's some fun moments in the episode. Uh, and the flash pants, like, that's, like, a bizarre choice to animate the flash pants that way. Like, there hasn't been a single thing in Arthur animated like that yet. So, those moments were fun. It's still kind of just a regular episode. I think I sound super positive on it just because it surprised me a little bit. Uh, so I definitely didn't like it as much as Dad's, which I kind of loved. Uh, but Purnell's prediction's are definitely a solid episode and a good,
0: um, companion piece to Dad's. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm glad this this one kind of kind of hit with both of them in one way or another as we get to the end here of this episode of Elwood City Limits and very close to the end of season four. Just a couple of episodes uh, left. In fact, I think it might be a pair at this point. So, bef- sorry, Ugh. just switching positions here. Uh, before we uh, let you go today, kids, uh, of course, I wanted to let you know how you can support the show and... Talk to us. That's the important thing here. We always love to hear what you have to say. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits on Twitter at ECL Podcast. Tumblr, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. You can send in emails like uh, Rohan, John Dulong, and eski did for this episode by uh, sending it to ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And, of course, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts on Google Play and on All Alright, coming up next time whenever that may be, uh, Lucas, we're going to be talking about the episode that is titled, What Is That Thing? and Buster's Best Behavior. Hmm... I don't know what either of these are.
1: Don't recognize either of the names.
0: I don't know what the second one is. I absolutely know what the first one is. So that's gonna that's gonna be interesting to regard as we move forward here. I certainly hope that our recording days get uh, less uh, less sweaty because I have to keep leaving the window open. So hopefully the the humidity will break very soon. My name's Will Young. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Elwood City Limits. And, of course, don't forget to vote for us, bestofhalifax.com. Best and for Lucas Mancini. Careful, my boy. That's a hot beverage. We'll see you next time. Look at all those heads. Squadala!